The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm your host, Bobby Williams. As always, please subscribe to the show. It means so much to us. It really does. We can all get down on ourselves sometimes. It's easy to do, especially when you start to think of who you are as a parent. The question then is, how can we practice a little bit more of self-compassion? Our guest today has wrote an entire book about just that. Carla Nomberg. The book is titled, You Are Not A, S-H-I-T-T-Y, Parent. It just came out yesterday. It's an amazing read. This was a really engaging interview. I had a lot of fun with this one. Check it out. You talk, okay, so let's get this cleared too. The book is You Are Not an S-Word Parent, and... Um, Rhymes with itty. Yeah. Itty. So from moving forward, we'll just say ishy as the... Um, the You're not an ishy parent. I love it. Yeah. So you talk about ishy parent syndrome. Uh, explain that concept to me. Yeah. So this is a syndrome that I totally made up for the purposes of the book, because you get to do that when you write your own book. But it's something that I myself have experienced and I see in so many different parents. And it's the thought, belief, or perception that you are an ishy, a terrible parent, when in fact you're not. And again, Bobby, we can go back to this idea that if you are a parent, I actually believe you're not a terrible parent. You might not be parenting the way you want to, but you're definitely not a terrible parent. Yeah, the way that we can have, we're, it's so easy to be compassionate with other people, but tough to be compassionate with yourself. Oh my gosh, we just, we're so mired in judgment, right? And we, we see every aspect of ourselves and because we're human beings and this is how the human brain works, we see all these aspects of ourselves. And what we tend to do is get really focused on the moments where we think we're failing or we don't meet the mark or we're not doing a good enough job. And we totally dismiss or overlook or minimize those moments when we are doing a good job and we are meeting our kids' needs and we are connecting with them and we're showing up for them and feeding them vegetables or whatever it is you're doing. We overlook that and we get really focused on those times when we yell at our kids or we show up late for school pickup or we miss camp sign up or uh, whatever it is. Yeah. Do you think that's just a human nature thing? Like from just primal, we're prone to look at the problem and try to zero in on that to try to fix it? It is 100% human nature, human development. And it's also really, really influenced by our experience now as parents in this particular time and age. And I can explain both real briefly. Go for it. Basically, the human brain was developed millennia ago to notice the threats, the failures, the dangers, because those are the things we need to keep an eye on to make sure that we stay alive in the future, right? We need to know if somebody else screwed up in parenting or if we screwed up in parenting, we don't wanna do that again. 
because we need to keep our kids alive to pass along our genetic material through them and keep the species alive. So our brains were really developed to keep a real eye out for our failures and missteps and problems, because those are the areas that are concerning in terms of survival, even though now it's not really so much about survival in general, right? It's like these smaller things. Um, I mean, a lot of us do keep an eye out on survival issues. If your kid has a peanut allergy, you're gonna be hyper-focused on making sure the food they eat is safe, right? But in addition, it's all this additional stuff that we maybe don't need to be so worried about in terms of survival, but our brains are still primed to think that way. The other issue, of course, is social media. And what we see mm. is this constant and false representation of how parenting looks. And I'll give you a great example. It's not just social media, it's reality TV. And I recently watched a couple seasons of a show about two parents who have like 15 kids and no childcare. And not once in two seasons, Bobby, did the mom lose her temper with the kids. And I was like, nope, I don't buy yeah. it. I, this is not fiction, it. yeah. It's fiction, it should be, but it's painted as reality. And so all of a sudden we parents who are watching these reality shows or scrolling through our Instagram feed and seeing all these pictures of happy families on the beach. And there's no pictures of kids crying because they got sunscreen in their eye or their sibling threw sand in their face or they got dirt in their snack. like. That's my experience of the beach, but apparently if I believe social media, every other parent has a perfectly happy time at the beach. So reality TV and social media really distort our perception of what we think parenting looks like. We think everybody else has it perfect and easy and figured out. And then we look at our own lives and we're like, yeah, this is a big mess. So I must be doing something wrong. When the truth is it's a mess for everybody. We're not all just doing TikTok dances with our kids. Uh, you know, as I get older, I think about, I just need to appreciate when I'm having a good time or like a good little period in my life, because there's always going to be a time when it's not as good of a period. And life, you mentioned this in your book, life just has a certain element of chaos to it. And there's nothing you can really do. So I see chaos as inherent to parenting. It's part of the deal. It's like, Gravity holds your couch down and chaos is part of the deal with parenting, right? And yet somehow we parents have been led to believe that the normal typical state of life should be happy and calm and ordered and your kids put on their shoes the first time you ask them. And that if that's not happening, we're doing something wrong. And in the book I refer to that, I think is the big lie. Because <laughs> um, the reality is the normal state, the normal typical expected state when you have kids is chaos. It's missed appointments and it's kids who throw tantrums at really inconvenient times and it's forgotten diaper bags. This is just normal and I think it's even more so in the wake of the pandemic when our lives were just thrown into such disarray and that those moments when we have it all together are kind of the exceptions and we should really feel great about them. And I have a friend on Facebook who she'll just log on there and be like, you guys, I just had a moment with my daughter. She's got like a nine-year-old, a 14-year-old. She goes, I just nailed it. I just showed up for parenting. I nailed it. It was a great moment. And I love it when she does that because I feel like all we see or all we hear from our close friends is how hard everything is and how we're screwing it up and how nobody's winning parent of the year this award parent of the year award this year, right? We sort of mock ourselves and throw ourselves under the bus. And when my friend logs onto Facebook and posts that, I'm like, you go, like, let's have these conversations where we are acknowledging when we finally have a moment of getting it right, because it's hard to do that. 
Well, you say in your book, compassion is an active choice. And it's like, yes, we all want to be compassionate with ourselves, but how do we do it? What is your secret, Carla? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my secret sauce. Let's talk about it. So the book is all about self-compassion for parents. So let's talk about what self-compassion is. It's noticing when we are suffering and then responding to ourselves with connection, curiosity, and kindness. So let's take that step by step. First of all, we need to notice when we're suffering, when we as parents, like most of us are so hyper-focused on our kids and when they're having a hard time and when they're really struggling, that when we are really exhausted, in pain, scared, anxious, angry, confused, overwhelmed, whatever it may be, we kind of tend to brush right past it and, you know, either go back to our to-do list, I got to get this done, or go back to focusing on the kid, we need to change their diaper, help them with their homework or whatever it is, or we we check out, we pick up our cell phones, we turn on the TV. Um, sometimes I do what my husband calls angry sweeping, where he'll come home and I'm like manically sweeping the kitchen floor because I don't want to think about whatever's going on. And those are all fine things to do sometimes. But when we do those too often and we don't slow down to really notice what's going on with ourselves, eventually we just kind of fall apart, right? Because we can't, it just, it's so hard to go through life suffering and and not taking care of ourselves. So self-compassion is about noticing that we're suffering, that we're having a really hard time, um, or it could just be suffering in the moment. I think too, it's like checking in with your body sometimes. That's a good meter for me of like, okay, how am I really feeling? Like the body kind of can tell you like, oh, I feel this feeling in my stomach or like, dang, my neck is tense here. Oh my gosh, Bobby, it's so important for me. It's this. I literally will look like this and not notice it when I'm tense and just dropping my shoulders. I feel so much better. But like you said, the trick is in the noticing. You have to notice that your stomach is in knots or notice that your back is really spasming or that your neck is all out of whack or whatever. But that's an important signal from your body. And then taking it seriously, like how many of us know, you know, have been through this situation where it's like my tooth is really in pain, but I'm so busy, I can't get to the dentist. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we wait until it's a real crisis. So compassion is this noticing that we're suffering, taking it seriously, and then I, so there's a lot of different ways to, to respond to your own suffering in a compassionate way. And in the book, I narrow it down to three practices, which are connection, curiosity, and kindness. Let's break that down one by one. So connection is the antidote to shame. Explain that. Yeah. So I think for a lot of us, when we're really suffering, we tend to isolate you know, we tend to stay off social media. We kind of do the the equivalent of like dropping all our shades and not talking to anyone. And then we kind of reemerge from our little gopher hole of sadness once we can function again and share something positive with the world. And I think that's a real problem because then we end up feeling like we're the only ones having a hard time. So I go through a lot of different ways to connect in that chapter. But I think the most important one is based on the work of Kristen Neff, who's a psychologist out of Texas, who's done groundbreaking research on self-compassion. And she talks about this idea of connecting to common humanity, which is just the simple, but not always so easy act of reminding yourself that you are not alone. No matter what's going on, no matter how chaotic, out of control, scary, confusing, whatever it is, 
I promise you, you're not alone. And I can say that as a mother and a social worker, so let's see, Bobby, I grew up in a home with multiple divorces, alcoholism, mental illness. Um, as a social worker, I've done lots of home visits. I've seen all sorts of situations in home visits. I've worked on an inpatient psychiatric unit. I've worked with children and families. I've worked with parents. I've had so many parents share their stories with me over the years. And I'm also a mother of two daughters. And what I can tell you is, I promise you're not alone. I promise that no matter how overwhelming or terrifying or shameful or confusing your situation is, someone else has been there too and someone else is there right now. Mm. And there's just something about remembering that you're not the only one who, whatever, you know, remembering that kind of lifts some of the shame, some of the burden, some of the fear and anxiety. And it's a really powerful practice. So one of the things, I mean, Bobby, you asked what my secret is. I mean, one of my secrets is that when I get really overwhelmed and I either am about to yell at my kids or I do yell at my kids, I take a breath and I remind myself, parenting is hard for everyone. Just that simple phrase, parenting is hard for everyone. It it just eases up the moment for me a little bit to remember I'm not alone in how Powerful. challenging it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one piece of the connection. Curiosity is just about noticing your suffering and getting interested in it, which is kind of a hard thing to do sometimes, but the more you practice, the easier it gets. And you can ask yourself really basic questions like, what's going on right now? Because we can get so confused in those difficult moments. Um, Just saying to yourself, what's going on right now? How do I feel? Sometimes I'll just be like, I just feel bad. And it's like, I'm not even sure why I feel so bad. You said something really important there, Bobby, which is I'm not even sure why you will notice as in the book and as I go through some of these sample questions, I actually rarely encourage people to ask why. Mm. Because often we don't know. There's no one clear answer. And the narrative we make up about why we feel bad might actually not be very helpful. So I think the more interesting questions are, how do I feel? Both in terms of your emotional state and your bodily feelings, right? Which are so connected. And what do I need? And sometimes it's as simple as, oh, I need lunch. I'm being a cranky mess because I haven't eaten anything in six hours. And sometimes it's a lot more challenging, right? I need to find rehab. I need to find a therapist. I need so much more childcare. I need to get my child on medication, right? Sometimes the answers are really hard and painful. And when you know that you always have self-compassion in your pocket, when you always have this tool for treating yourself with kindness, which we'll get to next, it's a lot easier to face these really hard questions. And for parents who have a really hard time imagining even asking themselves these questions, I would encourage you to connect with a therapist or connect with a spiritual leader, rabbi or imam, uh, minister, priest, whoever in your life uh, feels safe to you that you can access because those folks are professionally curious. Like as a social worker, it is my job to be curious with my clients. Mm. Um, And sometimes having someone alongside you that you trust and feel safe with can make it easier. But again, just start with what's going on and what do I need, right? Those are really basic questions you can ask yourself. A good therapist just kind of doesn't tell you anything. They just ask the right questions and kind of guide you along. So I love what you're saying here. Yeah. And then the last piece is just treating yourself with kindness, because so often in response to our own suffering, 
we treat ourselves really badly. Like we, we isolate, we judge ourselves, we treat ourselves with contempt. We think I'm such an ishy parent. I'm such a terrible parent. I'm screwing this up. And all I would ask is, I mean, there's a lot of different strategies in the book for treating yourself with kindness, but a really basic one is try some kind self-talk. Try to notice when that voice in your head is going off the rails and just being really mean. And can you switch it around? Hey, parenting is hard for everyone. I don't have to be a perfect parent to be a good parent. You know, I'm showing up, I'm doing the best I can. Whatever it may be, whatever the voice in your head and use your own language. And what I will tell you is the first time you try to say this stuff to yourself, it's going to feel weird. It's going to, you're going to have a hard time finding the words. It's going to feel like somebody else is talking. It's going to feel fake and strange. So that's when you can call the people in your life who will treat you with compassion, call a friend or a beloved family member, whoever, a therapist or whoever it may be, who's going to hear your story, listen to it, be curious with you. Cause curiosity, right? Bobby is an inherently kind practice. It's saying when you are curious with someone, it's like saying, Hey, I'm here. You matter. I'm interested in what you're saying. I'm interested in what you're experiencing. And I'm not scared of what I might find, right? And then they're going to treat you with kindness. They're not going to show up and say, oh my God, wow, yeah, you really blew that one. You are a terrible parent. Your kids are going to be a mess for life, right? Your good friends wouldn't say that to you. So listen to them and then try to use their words with yourself. It's that kind self-talk. So that's really the connection, curiosity, and kindness. It sounds like skills you need to build up to within yourself. You also talk in the book, I want to close with this because I think it's important, that if your children see you being like this, that's going to teach them to be compassionate with themselves. And I thought that was just a really great point because your children are always watching and learning from your example. And that just seemed huge to me. They're always watching. And you said two really important things there that I just want to touch on. First of all, this is a practice and by a practice i mean when you first start doing it it's going to feel hard and you're not going to feel very good at it that's okay keep practicing because if you do what i used to do and what so many of us do which is listen to some lady on a podcast and think she's got some good ideas and then don't do anything when things are going well because why do you need to do anything when things are going well and then all of a sudden you're having this moment of crisis and you're like what did that lady say you're not going to be able to do anything in that moment because we can't learn and practice new things when we're in crisis. So I have a lot of ideas in the book for like small ways during the day that you can practice self-compassion. And then it's like you're building those muscles. So when you do have that moment of kindness, you're uh, sorry, that moment of crisis, you're ready to show up with the self-compassion. But the other thing you said, Bobby, is so important. You know, my kids speak English because that's the language we speak in our house. That's the language they hear me speak. I'm also hoping that they are growing up to speak the language of self-compassion because I try to speak that out loud. So when I have a difficult moment, they will actually see me go into the kitchen, put my hands flat on the countertop. There's something about that smooth surface under my hands that kind of grounds me. And they will hear me say, you know what? Parenting is hard for everyone. We're having a bad moment, but we can get back on track. What do we need to do? And that is really the voice I want in their heads instead of, oh my gosh, I'm such a terrible parent. I'm screwing this up. I'm a failure. And, you know, my kids sometimes do come with that voice because again, that's a voice that our brains are sort of naturally wired to have. And some people just have it more than others. It's just the way they're built. 
but I'm constantly trying in, in the most authentic way possible. I'm not trying to what they call social work them, right? Mm -hmm. My daughters don't like it when I show up and I'm like, well, tell me how you feel, right? They don't like, <laughs> they know, they know. So I try to do this in a really authentic way. And, you know, sometimes I do hear them saying to me, hey, mom, we all have bad days. It's okay. And that's when I know they are starting to learn that language of self-compassion, which is so important. You are not a S-wordy parent. Love the book. All bookstores, thank you for being here today. Any any final closing thoughts? Um, you're not a terrible parent. Hang in there. Practice your self-compassion. It, it helps. It makes everything so much easier. And it's a really simple, if not always easy practice. And no matter how hard parenting is, you are not alone. Thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Now that you've been on the Parental Compass, straight to the bestsellers list. We're wishing you all the best with the new release. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.